1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. And for a moment, I want to talk about, but now. But now. You see, once we have been saved, there is a change. Amen? Amen. And as I read this scripture this morning, it's amazing how sometimes as I read the scripture this week, I simply pop it, popped open Bible Gateway, and I was actually looking for a different scripture, and it just jumped out at me. And sometimes God does that, and it's amazing, and sometimes you have to dig and search and ask God what his heart and his will is. Uh, but this morning, uh, I'm thankful that sometimes it comes easy. It says, but now, can you say that with me? But now. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, somebody say in Adam, yeah. all die, even so in Christ, say in Christ. In Christ. All shall be made alive. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this word. I thank you for uh, all that is contained in it. And Lord, we just uh, simply affirm that we have said that we will be changed, we will be transformed by this word. And Lord, I ask that you would just guard and guide the words uh, that I am uh, speaking today, let them be truly a word of God for the people of God. And we give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So as we look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in it, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church had some issues, but name a church that does not have issues. Amen? Name a perfect church. Uh, don't become a part of it because then you'll ruin it, is what I've all, always heard. Uh, there is no such thing as a perfect church. Can I get an amen? Amen. But we are a good church and a loving church and a church that is trying to reach out into the community. And we see that this church had some issues. But there were some things that they did and they did right. Some things that they knew and they knew them very well. And at the beginning, you see, Paul wants to confront them about the issue, but he also wants them to understand that they're getting some things right. You, you see, you never uh, argue with someone without coming to common ground. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so Paul is uh, teaching and he's preaching. And there were some things that they understood about Jesus. They knew them. And, and I, I think it's good for us to pause right now and say, do you know what you believe about Jesus? And it's really important for us uh, at times to reflect upon who is Jesus what do I know about him, and why do I believe what I believe? 
You see, it's important for us to reflect upon that. I remember my pastor, Brother McKinley, and I was always confused by this, but he would say, I will take everything that I know and throw it up into the air and let it filter down and take only the things that need to be there. And sometimes we need to do that with our life. What do you know about God? Why do you believe what you believe? Paul said, we've got some common ground here. You believe that Christ died for our sins. And it's contained in the scriptures and you do well to believe that, he said. As a matter of fact, the death of Jesus Christ is the center of the gospel. And to some, to say that a Savior died for our sins seems like foolishness. But to those who believe, it is salvation. That's what the Bible tells us. You see, not everything that everyone believes is right. The world has some distorted, uh, degraded thinking that we don't need to incorporate into our life. Can I get an amen? amen? They've got some stinking thinking that we don't need to have in our life. And so Christ did die for our sins. And he bought our salvation. You see, human wisdom will struggle with the very message of the gospel. But Paul said this, we preach Christ crucified. We preach him crucified. And that uh, word we preach in the original language is a continuous verb. In other words, we preach Christ today and we preach Christ tonight. We preach Christ tomorrow and we preach Christ crucified the day after. You see, the reason why we can say that people are coming to Christ and getting saved in this church is because we preach Christ crucified. As a matter of fact, Paul would say that I don't really know anything else Everything else seems a contrary except for the message of Christ crucified. So you never stop preaching the cross. And people get saved because of the message of the cross. That's the reason why we preached about the cross last week. So we believe that Christ died on the cross. And that he was buried. Now this may seem too elementary, but you don't bury alive people. You bury dead people. And so he was dead. Literally, he died. Many people who want to distort the gospel and make it untruth would tell you that he simply swooned on the cross and they put an alive man into the grave. No, my friends, he was dead. He died for our sins. And he was buried. And so Paul is saying, you believe that he was buried. You believe that on the third day he rose again as the scriptures tell us. Yes. You believe that he resurrected from the dead and that there are many eyewitnesses to him coming back alive. To him being seen after having died. And the Bible tells us not only that individual disciples and believers of Jesus but that time some 
saw Jesus in his resurrected body. And so Paul is saying, Corinthian church, you do well to understand and to know these things. But here's where you fail. You believe that Christ resurrected from the dead. But you do not believe in a bodily resurrection of his believers. In other words, you don't believe that because Christ died and rose again, that we shall live again even though we die. He said, you, you don't do well in that. And it begins to tell the Corinthian church, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Can I tell you that Christ still buried in the grave is not a good message to preach? Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, you see, Christ did rise, and our preaching is not empty. Our preaching is not in vain. Our preaching is not futile. We are not false witnesses because on the third day, Christ did rise from the grave. There are witnesses of that, Paul says. You see, if not, then we're still in our sins. If not, then we are dead, never to rise again. But that is not the truth, is what Paul is saying. You see, the cross is payment for our sins, but the empty tomb, my friends, it's the receipt for what God did through Christ. When you finish a meal, the waitress doesn't say, you're done. You pay for the bill, and she doesn't just walk away. She hands you a receipt that is proof that not only have you had a meal, but that you paid for the meal. Come on, help me out this morning. Amen. And so the risen Christ and Savior, the resurrected one, he's the receipt for the payment for our sin. So Paul is saying there is a connection between his resurrection and our resurrections because some of the Corinthians were denying the resurrection of the body. They were believing some Greek philosophy. Can I tell you, you don't need to listen to the world. They were saying that once people die, that is it, that they never rise again. And Paul simply says this, how can you say that there is no resurrection? How can you say that? And he reminds them that they already believe in a resurrection, in a resurrection body, at least that Jesus did it. But the Corinthians thought that Jesus was, that death and that resurrection was once, one, in a, one deal, one time that it happened. He saw no connection with their own life, their own immortality. So in verse 20, Paul simply says, but now. And that's what jumped out at me. But now. You see, there's a change that has happened. Once you believe that Jesus resurrected from the grave, there is a connection with his death and his resurrection. We are tied to that, my friends. But now, that means that everything changed when Jesus rose from the grave. Nothing remains the same. Nothing stays the 
the same because Christ has risen from the grave. And that word, not only does it mean that there has been a transition, something new has taken place. Oh, that excites me. Something new has taken place. And because Jesus paid the price for our resurrection, we join him. We become a part of the resurrected body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, we shall rise. We shall rise. See, Paul is saying, you got all of this right, but now let me tell you a further truth. You did good. You understood this. But now let me tell you, but Christ is risen, and something has changed since he has risen. There's an anticipation. Because he rose again, we shall rise. Christ's resurrection is the first fruit of our resurrection. Everything, everyone after him is a continuation of the resurrection, of the harvest of resurrection. You see, in Bible times, you couldn't harvest the whole field all at one time. You couldn't bring in the whole crop. There was a requirement for the first fruit. You see, when you, and they were a farming, uh, aggregate, a rural community, and they farmed, and they planted barley, and they planted wheat. But before they could reap all of the harvest, they had to take a little bit of the first fruit. Oh, somebody help me out this morning. <laughs> and they had to present it to the priest. And once they had presented it to the priest, and it was affirmed, and it was said, yes, this is a good offering, then they could go and reap the rest of the harvest. Yes. And it was the first fruit, the very best. Yes. The first fruit. How many times do we give the leftovers to the Lord? Be it our offering, be it our time, be it our energy, and God, through the law, was telling them, bring the first and the very best to me, and then, by faith, you see, it takes faith to give the first and to give the best. Then by faith, go and reap the rest of the harvest, because they came in in stages. Not all at one time. And so, these few weeks, you might get the barley. And then the rest of the harvest might start to come in and the, and the wheat and, and all the different things that they would plant. And so it took an active faith to give the first fruits unto the priest, unto God. And here it is telling us that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. In other words, once he has died and resurrected, then there can be a harvest of people days, the dead in Christ shall rise. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air ever to be with the Lord. My friends, if we don't die and get resurrected from the grave, then our body will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and we shall be all caught up and resurrected body, a new resurrected body to because he was the first fruit. 
The only one. You may say, but pastor, other people died and came back to life. What about Lazarus? What about the little widow woman's uh, son? But they all died again. And they didn't live forever, but we will live forever in the kingdom of God. And so to show your love for God, you would take the first part of your harvest and rather than stash it away. So many times we want to stash things away for our comfort, for our safety. And God is saying, give me the first and give me the best and then I'll take care of you. But we don't like to hear that. We want to reserve our time and we want to think it's ours. We want to reserve our talent. It's for me. We want to reserve our treasure. But God says, give me the first fruits. You see, the resurrection of Christ was a symbol. It was a sign of the coming of the resurrection of all believers. And Paul was saying that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof that we will be resurrected in the future. He's paid the price. Our admission to resurrection has been paid by him. And so Christ was not raised in isolation. He is a part of the whole harvest of resurrection. John 12, 24 tells us that he was thrown into the ground like a seed. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus said this about himself about ready to go to the cross. And some Greek people come to the festival, to the feast, and they said uh, uh, to Philip, we would see Jesus. And Jesus comes out to meet them, and he tells them about this seed that will be buried and that it will die. But once it has died, it will reproduce and it will create a harvest of salvation, of resurrection, of all of those things. But are we willing to die to ourselves? Are we willing to give our first and our best? That's what Jesus is saying will happen when we do that. So he was thrown into the ground and he sprang forth in life as the guarantee for all of us that if we are in Christ, we shall live forever. I read a quote this week by Eric Sarr. And he said, the age that we presently live in is Easter time. It begins with the resurrection of the Redeemer and ends with the resurrection of the redeemed. My folks, you are redeemed, you are bought, and you shall be resurrected. Whether you die in the uh, in, or buried in the ground or whether you are caught up in the rapture, will be changed. So how did all of this happen? How can one man have such an impact on the whole world? That one man, Jesus, verse 21 and 22 tells us, for since by man, that is a lowercase letter, man. Since by man came death. Adam is the lowercase Adam. Amen? The man Adam died, and when he died and when he sinned, death came. 
but by another man, not lowercase, capital man. The premier man, the premier God-man, when he died, rather than bringing death and causing sin upon us, he brought life and he brought resurrection when he died and he rose again. What is by Christ? As in Adam all die, but so in Christ shall all live. Adam caused death upon the whole world. He sinned. He died spiritually. And because of that, we all die. Everyone, according to Romans chapter 5, everyone born in the seed of Adam are sinners because we came from Adam. One act of one human man in one point, in one place in history affected every human being that ever lived. And if one man can do one thing and cause all men to die, then why can't one man do another thing and cause all men to live? This is what Paul is telling the Corinthian church. If you believe that Adam died because of sin, and they did, then why can't you believe that because Christ died and he had no sin, that he can cause all men to live? See, Christ did more on the cross and in the resurrection than just save us. But now we shall live forever with him. Forever in heaven. Forever in the presence of the Lord. Forever with him. But the question this morning is, are you in Christ? All who are in Adam will die and be consumed by their sin. All who are in Christ shall live. So are you in Adam or are you in Christ? How do you live, my friend? Do you live like the world on Monday through Saturday and try to come back and live in Christ on Sunday? I tell you, you can't do that. Because the resurrected Christ made a change that is forever. But now, but now I'm different. I'm no longer the same. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. And now, but now, all things are new. You're not the same because of the cross, because of the resurrection. Because of Jesus paying the price and in him entering into the resurrected life, we are no longer the same. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news. Look at your neighbor and say, but now. But now. Why is the resurrection so important? Because it tells us that this life is not all that there is. When you're put in the grave, it won't matter how much money you have. You ain't taking it with you. When you're put in the grave, it will not matter how beautiful your house is. You're not taking it with you. When you're put in the grave, it won't matter how many investments in 401k money you have. You're not taking it with you. The resurrected Christ tells us that this life is not all that there is. 
As a matter of fact, this life is very short and fleeting. So are we prepared for eternity? Yeah. Are we ready? Yes. Pastor, why do you preach the resurrection to people who are already living a Christian life? Because it's the good news. And you need to be able to explain it to other people. This life is not all there is. There comes a day of reckoning. There comes a day when we will all be changed.